0: Good morning, Word of Life. Come on, you can do better than that. Good morning, Word of Life. Good to see each and every one of you here today. I'm thrilled that you're with us. Whether you're here online, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're with us online here today, as well as those who are, are actually in our campus. We thank you for being here as, as well. Uh, we, we are believing here today. Uh, we are believing that something amazing is going to happen to you. It probably already has. Our worship was incredible. Everything that's been going on today has just been absolutely incredible. But I believe that God is going to speak to you. God is going to do something in you and for you in this service here today. And I'm trusting God for that. I'm really excited to share with you um, something that the Lord has placed on my heart. And so I'm going to be sharing a little bit about something a little bit different than what we have been doing in recent weeks and months. So go with me to uh, Psalm 145. I want to give you two different scriptures Uh, coming out of one out of Psalms and uh, one out of Isaiah. But I want to do this because I want you to hear how great our God is. It says in Psalm 145, verses 1 through 6, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever great is the lord and most worthy of praise his greatness cannot be fathomed the bible says one generation commends your works to another and they tell of your mighty acts they can't help it they can't help it because of the great things that god does and what god has done talks about those great acts they speak of the of the glorious splendor of your majesty and i will meditate on your wonderful works they tell of, your, of the, uh, they tell of the power of your awesome works. Let me say that again. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. In Isaiah chapter 55, I, I use this one a lot, probably two, three times a year. I keep on coming back to Isaiah 55. I love this. And it says, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As, as, uh, as the heavens are higher uh, than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Come on, somebody give me an amen. Amen. That speaks about the greatness of our God. I know that we really can't really fathom how great our God is, but there are things that are happening in your life. There are things that are happening in our world that we need to sit back and to say, God, we want you to be in charge because we can trust you, the living God. Come on, give me an amen. amen. So today, today I want to talk about money. Now don't get upset, don't get frustrated, don't leave. You're going to, this is a good message, this is positive. You're gonna walk out of here feeling better with money, feeling better with what it is that God wants to do. Today our message is entitled, Matter of the Heart. So today I wanna to talk to you about money, which is again, a matter of the heart which is why I opened up the Scriptures with those powerful words uh, about our wonderful, amazing, and glorious God. He is a great God, and you can trust Him. Let me, I need a better amen. And you can trust Him. He is a a great God. God truly cares, listen, God truly cares about your money. Now listen, I didn't misspeak. I wanted to say that, I said it very, very uh, purposely saying to you that God, the, the, the Word of God, I believe God really cares about your money. And do you know why? Do you know why God would care about your money? It's because God cares about you. God cares about you because He is our God. And God knows that money will be an issue for each and every one of us at some time in our life. We're going to be dealing with issues and problems of money and we need to understand this. So when it comes to, when it comes to money matters, uh, there is the world's way and there is God's way. There is the world's way and there is God's way. Isaiah chapter 55, again, it says here, but, as, uh, but God says, as, uh, uh, but, God, but God's ways are higher and wiser and greater than our ways, and, uh, and He has all of that to give us because He is God. And God knows that we need help in the matter of money. Come on, give me an amen to that. We need help in the matter of money. The reason why God and I uh, the reason why God and the Bible say so much about money really is not because is not because it has to do with money. It's it's not about that, but it's actually has everything to do with your devotion to God and how much you trust him. The reason why God even brings us up, the reason why God even cares, because there's something about money that can just wreck us if we allow that to happen. God has, it has everything to do with our devotion to God and how much you can trust Him. And that's really what I want to look at today. We're going to dig a little bit deeper as we go along, but we're going to talk about that. God's chief competition, let me say it again, God's chief competition for your heart is not the devil. It is not the devil. The real struggle with, with, with all of us that we have dealing with all of this is that the fact of the matter is, do we put our trust in ourselves? Do I trust myself, my strength, my gifts, my abilities, my education, my, my job, my employer, my possessions, my money? Do I put all of my trust in that or do I put my trust in God? Now that's the right answer, of course. But do I put my trust in God? I want to dig a little bit beyond that. In Mark chapter 10, is a story of a young man, a young man, uh, and about a matter of his heart as well. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he encounters this young man who seems to have life by the tail. Life by the tail. And the Bible tells us that he's rich, he's a ruler, and he's got it all together. And yet, and yet, this young man senses that something is missing in his life. Something is missing in him. He's got all of this, and yet there's something that is uh, missing in his life. Go with me to Mark chapter ten if you would. Mark chapter ten. And we find this here within the scriptures. I'm going to be jumping around with scriptures. And if you can follow along, great, but if not, if we have the projections here behind us, and you can go along with us. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up, ran up to him and fell at his knees before, fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, he asked, What shall I do to inherit? eternal life and the response Jesus gave really immediately was why do you call me good why do you you're talking about money why why are you calling me why are you calling me good and uh, it's like Jesus is saying hey just in case you're thinking that being good is going to get you to heaven just in case you're thinking being good is going to get to heaven get you into heaven really is there is only one who is good is what Jesus says there's only one who is good and that is God. Come on, give me an amen to that too. And it's God. To answer this guy's question, Jesus replies with six of the Ten Commandments. Jesus responds back to this guy with six of the, of the Ten Commandments. And then this rich young man, after Jesus goes through those six, this rich young man responds with, yep, been there and done that. In other words, I've got this all together, Jesus. I understand about the laws. I understand about the commandments. I've got it all together. But here's Jesus' response to the young man who is keeping all of the commandments. Who, by the way, who, by the way, represents each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. We, too, deal with these same kind of things. We, too, are looking for direction and answers. We, too, are trying to to win if we can possibly win. So this is rather amazing to me. But this represents each and every one of us. First, Jesus Jesus, uh, felt a deep, genuine love for this young man. He loved him. And again, that just moves on me. It just moves on me that God loves this young man, and God loves each and every one of us this way. It's beyond words. Then Jesus looks at him, and he says "He says this. Sounds a little odd, but he says, it's not about the law. Young man, just so you know, it's not about the law. It's not about the law. And here is God's love at work in this kid's life. Here's what God is doing in this young man's life. And he, and, and he says it's not about the law, but it's about God's love. In dealing with everything that this guy is dealing with, the, the, his riches, and he, he's got a void in his life, all of these things, what this is talking about here in this, this thing is that it's not, a, it's not about the law, young man, but he is saying it's about God's love, and God's love for this man This young, rich ruler, as well as each and every one of us. God's love for each and every one of us. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Jesus clearly could see what Jesus could clearly see was this internal struggle, this wrestling match that was going on in this guy's soul. He is dealing with something, even though it sounds like on the outside that he's really got it together, but really on the inside. He knows something's missing. He knows that something's taking place. He can see that. This young man has has everything and yet he knows that something is missing in his life. This rich young ruler, this rich young ruler, he wants he wants to know what do I need to do to fill that void? I've got a void in my life. I'm wondering today for those of you who are online, I'm wondering those of you who are here today, do you feel that void? For us that are in this room today, do you feel a void? Do you feel something? Jesus is seeing this, that this guy is, is struggling right here. This young man has everything going for him, but yet he's trying to fill that void. I know that there are many who are here today, whether you are online or not. You have that void. You're dealing with that. Not all of you, but some of you. The same with those who are in the house right now. We deal with these kinds of things. We're fighting and we're dealing with, with this, these kinds of things in through our lives. Dealing with that void. And I know that there are many of us that are dealing with that. Go with me to Mark chapter 10 again and go to verse 21 if you would. Jesus looked at, at him and loved him. It wrecks me. It wrecks me. It wrecks me because I don't know who they are. I'm not trying to figure it out. But there are people out there who do nothing but mock God. Say that Jesus is a terrible Savior, Redeemer that he's out for himself, whatever the things are that they say. And yet we see within the Holy Scriptures that this young man is dealing with some great struggles within his life. And we we see here that according to the Word of God, that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And then he says this, one thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. I want to explain that to you in just a moment. But this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because God's ways, God's ways are higher and greater and wiser than our ways. First, let me, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying with all of this. Please hear me. Please hear me. Those of you online and those of you in this room today with me, you need to hear this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And the, the first thing that Jesus says is that, that uh, uh, you, you need to sell all that you have and follow me that way. Follow me. Listen, Christians are not told by God that you can't have stuff. When Jesus is talking here, when Jesus is saying that I want you to just get rid of everything that you have and follow me, Jesus is not saying that Christians are not to have stuff. If you know Randy Chiz, Randy Chiz has stuff. I mean, I've got a Corvette, I've got a Harley, I've got a beautiful, amazing wife, I've got kids, grandkids, I got stuff. Anybody else have stuff in the room? We all have stuff, I believe. We all have stuff. But Jesus is not talking about that. Jesus is not saying that. Although the world will tell you that this is what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to rip everything away from you so that you have nothing, that you be poor, that you, you, you have nothing, and you give it all to the church. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Give it all to the church. But what Jesus really is saying is that there is only, there's only one thing that, that you need to do, my friend. Just one thing you need to do. And that is, Jesus said, that you need to trust me in everything in your life. You need to trust me with everything in your life. Everything. Let that soak in for just a moment. Let that settle in your heart as well. Everything, Jesus said. Everything. Everything is what Jesus says. You have to trust me with everything. It doesn't matter how many, how many possessions you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how much money that you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how much influence or power that you have or don't have. None of that matters in light of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter in the light of Jesus Christ, the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God. And Jesus said, and Jesus said, and nothing, and nothing compares to what I have prepared for you. And in particular, on the other side of this life. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has in store for those who love him. This is what God is saying. So I want to stop here just for a moment, and I, I want to come back in just a moment and talk more about the rich young ruler in a few minutes. But I, I want to I give you, I wanna give you a, a glimpse into God's perspective on money and on God's perspective on economics. It truly is amazing. If you really get into this, if you really dig, I mean, there's so much to cover. I cut a whole bunch out just so I wouldn't be doing a whole lot of this. But the fact of the matter is, it's, it's amazing. It's challenging. It's liberating. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, gives us a glimpse in the matters of the heart. The matters of the heart. What it is, where your heart is, is bent on. What, what is it that you're believing more for and wanting more for within your heart? Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. These are amazing verses that I'm giving you. Command those, uh, Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their, their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you hear that? What God is saying, what I want to do is for everything for your enjoyment, for your pleasure. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. For the coming age, the age yet to come is what Jesus is, or what Paul is talking about here, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This has such great, incredible revelation that comes from God. And oh, I can hear some of you right now are thinking these thoughts online, and those of you who are here in the house, I can hear some of the things that you're thinking right now. Pastor, this is nice, thank you, but I'm not rich. I'm not rich. Paul was talking about the fact that those who are rich, because this has nothing to do with me, <laughs> because I'm not rich. Listen, you are rich. Whether you believe it or not, you are rich. I am rich. The Apostle Paul tells us uh, 2,000 years ago, he's rich. And he was rich. And he was rich because back then there were only two classes of people uh, back in that particular time. So let me sum up those two those two uh, pocket of peoples, who they would be. There is the rich and there is the poor. That's the way it was 2,000 years ago. There was the rich and there was the poor. The rich have, and the poor have not. The poor literally had no roof over their heads. They literally had no food on the table, and their clothes were nothing but rags. And the rich back then, and I can say it here too, even still today right here in the United States of America, the rich did have and do have a roof over their heads, clothes on their back, and uh, food in abundance is what they, they do have. So that word, that term rich applies to each and every one of us who are here online as well as those of us who are here in this room. Those of, us who, who, uh, those of us today who have a place to live, food to eat, and clothes on your back. So I look across here, none of you, none of you are poor. Thank God you've got clothes on. I mean that. <laughs> Thank God you've got clothes on. Those of us who are here today, if we have a place to live, food to eat, clothes on our back, we are rich. We really are. Would you give the Lord a round of applause? We are rich. We are rich. I'm telling you, we are rich. And Paul is saying to Timothy, in your preaching and in your teaching, tell the rich not to be haughty or to set their hope on money. Tell them that that they are not better than the average person because they have they have they don't have the same amount of money that you have tell them simply having money will not make you better no uh, nowhere in paul's in paul's teaching does he uh, does he say anything that that like this, that you shouldn't have money. He doesn't say that to, to people. The Apostle Paul doesn't talk like that. He, or he doesn't say that we shouldn't have things or having money is bad. He, he doesn't say any of those things. But in our Western culture that we live in today, however, the rich really do believe that they are better. That they are better because they are rich. They believe that, that life is better for them because they have money. That's what our culture tells us. That's what they think, which is why, with what I'm talking about, I said a few moments ago, this would be cross, cross-grained to everything that the world would be saying to us. But this is what God says. And God is the one who holds to his word. So what God wants us to understand with all of this, what God wants you and I to understand in, with all of this is that there is a healthy connection and an unhealthy connection to money. Now remember, God's ways are higher and wiser and better than our ways, than, than what others would say. And if, if, you're, uh, if, if you're here looking for God to give you that kind of direction in and through, through your life, and your life is not better just simply because you have money, Paul says to put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything, everything for our enjoyment everything for our enjoyment blows my mind this kingdom of this kingdom purpose of finances with god he's looking to bless us he's looking to give us those things that we can enjoy in life if you want god's economy to fully function firing on all eight cylinders or four cylinders or however many cylinders you have in your vehicle you have to resolve that you are not the source your boss is not the source Your corporation is not the source. You're gambling or cheating or deceiving or stealing. That's not your source. That's not what you turn to. In this economy, God is your source. Come on, say it again. God is your source. Give the Lord a round of applause. Would you do that? God is our source. I love Philippians chapter four, verse verse, uh, 19, not in your notes, but it says, and my God shall supply supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. I say it again. God shall supply all of your needs according to your riches in glory through Jesus Christ. I love 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17, the ESV, the ESV version says it like this, God who richly provides, uh, provides us with everything to enjoy, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God is your source. You need to go to God. You need to believe God. Paul says, believer, put your hope in God. Why? Because he will richly provide to you and me. He will provide for each and every one of us. Richly, lavishly, generously provide with with everything that you need in order to be fulfilled. Listen, God cares about money. He really does. God cares about money because God really cares about you. And there's not one of us in this room, there's not one of us who are listening online today, that we haven't had struggles with finances. We all have been dealing with that in one way or another. God wants to richly, lavishly, generously provide with, pr- provide with uh, everything that you would ever need in your life because God cares for us. There are three steps that the Apostle Paul talks, tells us with dealing with God's economy um, that is completely entirely different than what the world would say to us. I'm going to give you these three things. They're very simple you know them, many of you already know these three things, but I'm going to give them to you anyhow because I believe we need to hear it. Number one, three things that the Apostle Paul says that we need to do, the steps that we need to take. Number one, you and I are to do good. You and I are to do good. In fact, it actually says in the scripture, command them to do good, is what the Bible says. The preacher is supposed to demand, I demand you to do good, is what. The scripture is telling each and every one of us. In the, original, in the original text, when God blesses us financially, it's not simply just so that you and I will have money for ourselves. You need to understand that this is what God's saying. It's not that he's just gonna uh, allow you to have a lot of money and just do whatever you wanna do with your money for yourself. I mean, that happens. I selfishly do things like that periodically. But the fact of the matter is, it's not what God wants <coughs> for each and everywhere, any, every one of us. Nowhere in our finances Uh, and we have our our surplus of money, your heavenly Father would want you and me to do good and to help others in need financially. Financially. This happens to me all the time in these holiday seasons, Christmas, uh, whatever the seasons would be. And I'll have somebody walk up to me and they'll hand me a $20 bill, a $50 bill, a $100 bill. And they'll say, Pastor, would you do me a favor? Would you go give this to someone who's really in need at Word of Life right now? And listen, please, don't tell them who I was. I want this to be anonymous. Would you please just take care and give them? I deal with that all the time, and it's so exciting. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, that when this happens, I've, I don't think I can ever remember if there was ever a person that didn't have a tear rolled down their cheek because of how much of a blessing those things happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Give me a yes or a no. God is saying we need, we need to do good. Number two, if you are, if you are, uh, if you are to be, you, that you are to be rich in, in good works. You, are, you and I are to be rich in good works. It says in the second part of that same verse, we are to be rich in good deeds. We are to be rich in good deeds. Now this, this, may, uh, this may rile some of us that are in this room today. Because Paul says, tell the rich who are living in God's economy, do not just throw your money, don't just throw your checks in a bucket and walk away. It doesn't work that way with God. In God's economy, you also need to roll up your sleeves and you need to get your hands a little bit dirty by helping and serving one another and personally getting to know that man that you're with, that woman that you're with, that student that you're with, that, that, uh, that co-worker that you're trying to reach and trying to help, um, that we are to reach them and make a difference in their lives because as far as God is concerned, the church is is about helping others who are in need. That's who we are, and that's what we are called by God to do. The third thing, the third thing that you and I are to do is that you and I are to be generous and ready to share. You and I need to be generous and ready to share, and that's exactly what it says here. That means, my friend, that means no way, no way around this one, folks. This is something that we have to do, something that I have to talk about, and I know it's a little bit of a challenge for some of us, and that is is that we are to be joyful, liberal, liberal, givers of money. You and I are to be joyful, uh, liberal givers of money. That means it's going out. It doesn't mean that we're getting big pockets here filled with money. It means the fact that we're going to be uh, able to give. We need to be ready to share, and that means we need to be ready to, to share, and that means to be responsible in planning and anticipating ways to give money to the work of God. This is our responsibility Whatever your income is, I don't want to know, I don't care. The fact of the matter is, is that we have money coming our way and we need to be responsible with that, is what the Scriptures are declaring to you and I. First, of course, it comes through our tithes. We believe, according to the Word of God in both Old Testament and New Testament alike, that 10% of our income, 10% of our income goes to the work of God. Again, that's found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me read it to you in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, and it says these words, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Listen to this. God says, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and and, uh, pour out such blessings that, that there will not be room enough to store it. That's what God says. He promises us. He promises us that this is what he would do to us. Let me go to Malachi chapter 23. This is not in your notes, but Malachi, excuse me, not Malachi, but Matthew chapter 23, verse uh, 23, the New Living Translation. Jesus says these words here. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of of, uh, religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, he says, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest of income from your herb gardens but you, you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith is what Jesus is saying. Then he says these words. You should tithe, yes, is what Jesus said. You should tithe, but do not neglect the important things, and the important things, in my opinion here, that Jesus is talking about is the church. Take care of your church. Take care of your church. We, many of us here at Word of Life, we tithe, We all have different uh, percentages that we tithe, but we see 10% is within the Scriptures. I know people who give 5%, 2%. I don't care what you give. Just give something that you're following God and doing what God is talking to you about financially. So we have, we deal with the tithe. The second thing I want to deal with really quick with you is is Missions missions here at Word of Life. It is incredible. We support some 63 different missionaries uh, monthly, on a monthly basis in the United States of America as around the world. 63 different missionaries. We also give to what we call our Serve Project. Many of you know that. This is something that we do every September, but our Serve Project is that opportunity that we have to, to help community services and areas of ministry that are outside the walls of Word of Life Church. So in other words, there are different organizations, different uh, services and ministries that are taking care of the needs of people within the community, within central New York. And what we do is that we give them money. Over the years, we have given thousands and thousands of dollars to those organizations and those ministries so that they can, they can uh, help meet the needs of the people of the community. Isn't that a good thing that we do? You agree? Uh, another thing that we do is that we do, with missions here, uh, we, give, uh, we, we give our i got to find it right here. Our Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child. Now, most of us know what that is. And all I will say about that is that you pack, you pack a shoebox to bring great joy to kids on Christmas. So this is something very special. And they're doing it a different way because of COVID this year. So if you're going to be doing that, make sure you check that out and do that. And then lastly is One Day to Feed the World. One Day to Feed the World. I know we just gave that to you, but let me just say this much again. Convoy of Hope where you give a one-day's wage that has power to transform the lives of children and families throughout our world. Operation, I mean, uh, 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 One Day to Feed the World is really a great, great, great thing that we've been doing for many years here at Word of Life, and I am just so pleased with that. So now, let me just blow your mind, if I can. I want to blow your mind because nobody has heard this simply because of COVID. We haven't had our business meeting yet this year We haven't done any of that stuff because of COVID. And one of the things I haven't told you yet was the income that we gave to missions in 2019. It just absolutely blows my mind because total missions giving alone means this. This is not your tithe. This is not the 10% that you give God. That's, we're not doing that. We're talking about only missions. When you know there's a mission project, when there's something to do with missions and you give, and you give this, is what, this is the number that we gave in 2019. So the total missions giving alone above and beyond our tithe for 2019 was $153,344.02. <laughs> Did you hear that? This church is unbelievably, unbelievably generous. Come on, do it one more time. God, we thank you. We thank you for such a generous church. And for many of them who are right now are online because of COVID, we just know that so many people have made that happen. $153,344.02. I am just so thrilled to tell that all to you today. Listen, God's perspective on money and economics is truly amazing. It's truly amazing how God does this, how God makes money work for us, how God wants to bless us, how God wants to provide for us if we would follow, rather than just only following the ways of the world, to follow what God says. He wants to bless us. God's perspective on money and economics is truly amazing. It is challenging. It is liberating. And it's even fulfilling. Go back with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to read those those verses one more time. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. No, I'm not going to read those verses. In fact, I'm just going to tell you verse 19 of that. It says these words, in this way, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves. Treasures. There is something powerful here that God wants to say. It's a hope and a promise that he wants you and I to grab a hold of. I've already said it a number of times, but I'm going to say it again at the very conclusion. But God is wanting us to understand that he has a hope and a promise for every single one of us. And it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. There may be some who are online today. There may be some who are here today. You don't know me. You don't know our church. And you may be thinking this is a way the pastor is going to be begging people for money. I'm not. I won't. Because there's just too many people here at Word of Life who have experienced God's blessing and grace by them following what it is that God calls each and every one of us to do. There's something powerful that God wants to give us in the matters of the heart. I want to go back now to the rich young ruler. Jesus is overwhelmed with love for this young man. Again, it blows my mind. You know, Jesus knew what this guy was going to do. And I don't know about you, but often I cop an attitude when I know I'm going to get a zing. When I'm going to get a zing, I typically get a little bit zingy back, you know. But Jesus isn't that way, thank God. Jesus is overwhelmed with love for this young man. And Jesus knows exactly what's missing in his life. And Jesus knows what he ultimately needs is true life. True life. I believe that these next words that Jesus is about to tell this man were and are some of the hardest, most difficult words that Jesus would speak to people that he desperately loved like this young man. Why? Well, I'm gonna say it again. It has nothing to do with money, but it has everything to do with our devotion to God. It has everything to do with our devotion to God, our devotion to him. So this young man, what he decided to do is that there's just no way he can do this. Jesus knows everything that he needs. And Jesus spoke to him very clearly about the, the needs that would be met. And we find in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, and it says these words, Mark 10:21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then follow me. Then follow me is what Jesus says. Have faith in me. It's like Jesus is pleading. Have faith in me. I will show you what you really, really need in life. Follow me. Be around me. Hang with me. Watch me. Put your faith and your trust in me. He's, he's like he's like begging him, it's like he's offering him things that finally, maybe, just maybe, this will be the thing that will cause him to follow. Maybe, just maybe. But it's just so sad. This rich young man then said to Jesus, who who is God in the flesh, he's talking to God in the flesh right now. This rich young man said to Jesus, Um, Jesus, I've got to go. And he goes. He goes. He leaves Jesus behind. Scores and scores and scores and scores and scores of, pe- of people have done the same thing, have said the same words to Jesus these last 2,000 years, all primarily based on the deceitfulness of riches and on the, the cares of this world, how important that is to so many people. So let's go back, 1 Timothy six nineteen, and it says these words so that that you may take hold of of the life that is truly life that you may take hold of the life that is truly life in god's economy money will never give you true life i didn't think i would get an amen there in god's economy money will never give you true life so when you and i put our faith and trust in this awesome amazing god and when you and I put money in its proper place, and you actually allow God to lead your life and your finances according to God's word right there, right there, that's when you and I will take hold of what the Bible says is true life. It's true life. Let me say it to you again. When you, so when you and I put our faith and our trust in our awesome, amazing God, and when you put, when you put money in its proper place, and you actually allow God to lead your life and your finances according to God's word, right there, (laughs) right there, that's when you and I will take hold of what the Bible says is true life. Ultimately, Jesus says, this is the hope and the promise I have for each and every one of you who would follow me, is what he says. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to speak up. We have given up everything for you, he said. Jesus responded and said, yes. Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who gives, uh, everyone who has given up a house uh, or brothers or sisters or a mother or father or children or property for my sake or for the sake of good news, listen, listen, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses brothers sisters mothers children property along with persecution and in the world to come that person will have eternal life come on would you give the lord a round of applause if you would please and according to jesus that means that means that that none of you are going to be giving up anything your surrender to god and those needs are going to be met by God as you surrender your life to Him. Come on, would you please stand with me, all of you? Just for a moment, stand with me. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for everyone that's in this room today. I want to pray especially for the one who, who feels that this is, a, uh, this is a real challenge for them. I'm asking God that you will just stir their hearts. Because it's obvious, God doesn't want dollar bills. He doesn't need our dollar bills. He's got everything, but there's one thing that he can't just take away from us and that's our hearts to God. We have to make that decision. You have to make that decision, my friend. So today, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I wanna challenge you that maybe today would be the day that you would wanna give your life to Jesus, maybe today is the day that you would like to surrender your life to him. I'm not asking you to join Word of Life. We welcome you to come. We want you to come. But that's not what we're saying here. We're saying that maybe you should give your life to Jesus today and let him become the Lord and leader of your life. If that's your desire today, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you for just one moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I'm going to ask you after after I pray this prayer that you would give your life to Jesus and raise your hand. So let me pray this prayer. If this is what you want, you pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, say that with me. Dear Lord Jesus today I give you my life. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you from this day forward. Become, come on, become the Lord and leader of my life, I pray in Jesus' name. Now keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would. If you made that decision today for the very first time, or maybe it's been a number of years since you've been to church and you're back here today and you want to make it right, I'm going to ask you would you just hold up your hand i'm not going to embarrass you i'm not going to call you out i'm not going to have you say anything do anything i just want to count those who would make a decision for christ is that you for those of you who are online thank you i appreciate that i really do dear for those of you who are online if you haven't yet been able to to uh hit that button i want to ask you to hit that button as well in fact i'm going to close off by saying these two things to you close off number one what i would like you to do for those of you who have given your life to jesus whether you're online or here I'm going to ask you to tell somebody today that you gave your life to Jesus. And the second thing that I want you to do is that I want you to push that button that tells you where to go as far as giving your life to Jesus. In fact, we have some people right now who are going to be able to deal with that for us. God bless you all. Thank you for being with us here today at Word of Life Church.